0: Previously, on The Tony Kornheiser
1: Show. There was Pete Axthelm on NBC. There was Jimmy the Greek on CBS. And there was Hank Goldberg on ESPN. And they made picks. They made bets all the time. But maybe they didn't mention the point spread by the numbers. And maybe Brent Musburger just said, Oh, that's a late touchdown, laddie. (laughs) Well, a lot of people are going to be angry about that. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Alrighty then. Uh, jingle Fest was this past week. Uh, we, we know that people had a great time. Nigel went to one of the functions. You had a great time. Had a fabulous time. Right. Um,
2: Missed out on Jingle Golf. Called, yes. up, called up the pro shop, talked with Lori, said the tea times were
3: canceled. Yeah. yeah Michael bad. was going to play. Yeah, it was bad weather.
2: The, the club's polished, ready to go. Yeah.
3: But everyone was was just so wonderful to see. It was a great group of, you know, the regulars. Uh, Kirsten was there, Jerry yep. Negrelli, Robert Berg, Jamie. Um, and it was great to reminisce about their wedding at, <laughs> at Chatter. At so yeah, Shad, you know, uh, Neil from Rockville. I'm, I'm forgetting lots of people. But well, here's who you're was... not
1: forgetting. DG. Uh, and DG.
3: Yes. Here's what I got. Yes, I absolutely. was thrilled
1: to attend my first Jingle Fest. Meeting all the littles was amazing, but Chuck and Roxy and Nigel were the highlight of my evening. I haven't had that much attention paid to me since my bar mitzvah. My biggest takeaway from the entire experience was how much Tony is both revered and loved. That's some combination. Hope to meet more littles as the years go by. Regards, DG. Just wonderful.
3: DG and I were talking about 10 o'clock and I was making a move for the door and he was ordering a pizza and he's like, come on, stick around, have a pizza with me. I haven't been up this late in 20 years. Yeah, good. So, yeah. it was fun.
1: So we hope everybody had a good time. I'm glad for that. I did something I haven't done in a long time. At my age, I walked the golf course Saturday and Sunday. My game, I played... I didn't play very well on Saturday, but I was playing well on How Sunday. How was the weather? The weather was on Saturday, I went out there with Bud Giblin in in mist, but it broke very early. We hadn't we were not rained on on Saturday, and yesterday the weather was fine it was But hot. this was
2: the first humid weekend yeah, we had. Yeah,
1: it was hot yesterday and I went out there and I was playing really well. I had 41 on the front. How'd you finish? Uh, 48. Um I I put two in the water on sixteen. Oh I, no! I collapsed. I was ter- I was tired. I was tired. I got to fifteen, having walked two days in a row. I was really tired. I didn't, I didn't carry. I had caddy, I'm not a, a lunatic. I'm proud that I did it, but I was you know I I was I was done. Uh, you know two in a row in the water. Was just, yeah, you, I had, said, you had a nap to look I said, just to. give me a six, huh?
2: You had a nap to look forward to. I did.
1: I Well, I had to take the dog out when I got home, and then I took a nap, which was nice while the golf was on. Watched a lot of, go- watched a lot of things, but also watched the Nats. Nats had a six-run inning yesterday. They had a six-run inning. You know the highlight of the inning? Dom Smith made two outs in that <laughs> inning. He made the first out and the last out in that inning. That's, that's and I read good. from clark logan here this is he sent me an interesting article on the biggest bust of the 2013 draft including tk's favorite dom smith <laughs> and and apparently he's drafted number 11 by the mets his career war is 0.1 that's, that's bad yeah that's not very okay, good. okay that's bad it's not minus and Dom <laughs> uh, and this is it's not, <laughs> it's not clark worst. logan writes uh, this it's is from worst? the article <laughs> Smith hit for high contact rates and averages all the way up to the majors, but when he got to the big leagues, his approach really fell apart, and he's just never reached the power projections from when he was an amateur. As a first-base-only guy, he had to hit and hit for power, at least get on base a ton more to have value. But outside of about half a season's worth of games in 2019 and 20, he's been below replacement level in every other season. He's still just 28 now with Washington, but once again making a lot of soft contact with no power. Okay. He's played 76 games. The team's played 76. He's probably played 75 of them. Yeah. That's almost... That's 47% of the season. That's almost half. He's got two home runs and 17 RBI in a power position at first base. Yeah, well, like- you know how I feel about this. Yeah. You know uh-huh. how I feel. Yeah, you've been very... Clear no, again, get, again.
2: The way you get into a Nats game, you don't want to focus on Mackenzie Gore. Uh, we're looking he at great. He yes, like struck out the first record, six guys. First six guys, and you're yeah. looking at the return as you're as you're taking a look at a left fielder running straight into a wall. Juan Soto going into the concussion protocol. His, we think. his the
1: left side of his face Ooh. after he made the catch on Dom Smith. After you know went right into the wall, and he went down. Mm. I mean, he stood for a while, then he went down on his knees and and yeah, he played the game though. Yeah. He finished the game, so he must have been all right. We assume. He was all right but that's not none of that is the highlight of the weekend the highlight of the weekend is michael cooking a zucchini would you tell everybody about I um, thought you were going to go with, I don't know, a little
2: birthday boy who turned six on Saturday. Yes. The fact that we got to bring his other set of grandparents over to your house. That was lovely. Uh, I, I look back at my little guy. He's our, our oldest. He just finished kindergarten. had a great Bootsy. year.
1: Bootsy. No uh, longer afraid of Chessie because he's large enough. No, he's now has, he pregnant. now has
2: height. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that all three of our boys know, recognize, appreciate both sets of grandparents. I mean, how rare is that? Yes, it's wonderful. Uh, we, we've been very, very lucky in that regard.
1: And that was, that was a great blessing for me but not as, not, much not as
2: much as the zucchini. No. So going back about <laughs> six weeks ago, we picked up the zucchini. This was right before I built the planters. Uh, the zucchini is starting to bear fruit. We saw the blossoms
1: about 10 days ago. There were always beautiful yellow-orange blossoms and then, and then squirrels. Oh, we need more oh, owls. New...
2: We need more
1: owls. We need a yeah. couple of owls. Okay. Yeah. So Done.
2: We've been, we have been tracking this one zucchini. Yesterday, it was, it was time. It was ripe for the picking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came over. We were grilling steaks here just to bring back to our house for a salad later. But I left zucchini for dad. Grilled it simply with a little oil, some salt, great.
1: pepper. And I'm not a zucchini guy. Mm-hmm. But it was really great. It definitely I, had a... Michael it had just a, took it off the plant. He just took it. Right. And I said, what are you doing? Said, it's time. It's time. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> time. Uh,
2: it had a meatier profile <laughs> than a lot of the zucchinis that I've made for you in the past.
1: It was really good. So I was happy Technique, about that. Technique, I
2: forgot it on the grill for a little bit. Moved it to the upper warming rack.
1: I, and I'm again. I ate it. I'm not a zucchini guy.
2: That's fantastic. Just wait till the baby eggplant comes, and
3: you will stay f- away from
2: that. I'm
1: not an eggplant guy at all. I will not even try an eggplant.
3: Not even eggplant parmesan. No, no,
1: no. I don't like eggplant. Not even a baba ganoush? No, but um, but now I'm beginning to worry about squirrels getting into the eggplant and 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 plucking the zucchini flowers. Right. I'm not sure that the owl is working. I mean, I really wish that there was some natural predator.
2: Like a Nigel. Just stay out there. Know, just
1: just out live there. on a lifeguard chair. Yeah, <laughs> the whistle. something to keep these well, squirrels away from the planters.
3: They're very bold. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll try. We'll get a couple more owls. Let me scatter them yeah. around there.
1: So I was watching um, Keegan Bradley went out at one point, was 26 under par, and then bogeyed three of Got four a nervous. Holes. Yeah, bogey three or four holes, but nobody was chasing him, really. Patrick Cantley was the closest he one. He retreated at the end. Yeah, but he missed a couple of putts. But but you told me today what Rory said. This is fascinating. Uh, Rory has
2: uh, described the TPC River Highlands, and this is part of the network the, of— The reason I pay attention to this is this
1: is the nicest course near Bristol. I played this course a couple.
2: Yeah, times. and this is one of those, uh, you know, anywhere between I would say the the greater D. M. V. area up through New England. It looks like a lovely residential course. Houses, yeah, are houses lining, all over. You know, yep. all the holes. And he he said the course has been rendered obsolete. By technology. And on the 18th hole, I think he hit a 350 plus yard drive and had a little flip wedge. Of which, he the poorly, greed.
1: which he did poorly. Which he did
2: poorly. Yeah, it's just interesting because you look at what happens where, you know, last year the British Open, which, uh, you know, he said was sort of the unicorn of all majors as to its historical importance. Uh, no one called that, you know, St. Andrews. obsolete at St. Andrews when half the Greens were drivable. So, uh, you know, in the last six months, you've seen Rory, who is. You know, aside from the lift stuff, he's been one of the few players who's actually been supportive of rolling the ball back because it would make his advantage with the driver probably even bigger. Greater.
1: Yeah. It'd be even greater. Yeah, because it would really push other people back. Interesting
2: with Keegan, though. He uh, completely changed his body in the off season, uh, and Lost a bunch of weight. Lost a lot of weight and was mostly trying to just get energy back. Uh, and he has always struggled with the putter. But with this new system that, uh, unfortunately, to some people, looks like it slows pace of play. Uh, was able to be leading with strokes and butting.
1: He is very slow. He stands there. eagle Puts the ball between his legs, you know, and, and tries to be at one with the line to the hole. I mean, he's, he's always been a weird sort of guy. There's physical ticks. He rocks in, in and day. out of the shot. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want to, when he's ready to go, get out of his way because he'll, he'll run you down to get <laughs> yeah. to the ball. But he was a terrific young player. He won a major. He won the PGA. He won the
2: PJs first year out, and then it's yeah. you know, been a little, a little dry for the last five years. But he won in, in October in this sort of wraparound season.
1: I mean, I was, I was paying attention to Denny McCarthy. He yeah. went 60-65, but then 70. And if you were not—70 was par. If you were not five shots under every single day, you were not going to win. Keegan Bradley set a record, 257, right? Oof. Yeah. 23 under. Now, you, now the records always come on par seventy courses because they're you know they're two you need shots the eagle less, chances. You know, yeah. So it was nice. And then where I watched a little bit of Rose Zhang to see if she could win her first major. She ended up tied T eight, but I mean she only, like two, only two strokes beat her. Right. Um, she missed a birdie putt maybe on fifteen, 15. and then on sixteen bogeyed because she went in the sand. On a par three and short sided, yeah. But still, that's it. Her it, debut
3: at a major, yeah.
1: Her debut as a professional is it's Ye- awesome.
2: Yeah, I think this is just building great drama to Pebble, where you wouldn't be surprised if she's right in the mix again.
1: Yeah, and she's a wonderful talker. She's a wonderful talker. That's all I had. That's all I had for the beginning. We 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 will have David Remnick on the show to talk about his new book, Holding the Note. And we will have Michael Wilbon when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
2: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Ark on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
0: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
4: Ellie De La Cruz, Ellie De La Cruz, Cincinnati Phenom. Have you heard the news? Fastest man alive, shorts up six foot five. This red he cannot lose. Ellie Dela Cruz hits the ball really, 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 really hard. I'm thinking you probably wanna have his rookie card. Find a 52 mantle, and you won't sing the blues. Or a 2023, Ellie Dela Cruz. A cycle in just his 15th game is what he gave us. Last cycle for the Reds in 89 was Eric Davis. They both wear 44. I'm not sure who you choose. Davis, he was great, but I'd take Ellie Dela Cruz. Ellie Dela Cruz. Ellie Dela Cruz. On a routine grounder, better you don't snooze. He'll outrun the cheetah in the Cincinnati Zoo. Have you heard the news? Ellie Dela Cruz. This ready cannot lose. Ellie Dela Cruz brilliant. That's Dan
1: Burney. Put Eric Davis in the song. It's just totally brilliant. Thanks, Dan. That's totally brilliant. It plays in Michael Wilbon. So I don't have anything specific. Maybe you have something specific. I mean, where are we the next two to three weeks? We are now, now we are done with the NBA draft. There's going to be a little flurry of free agency, but essentially the month of July is outside of our borders. It's Wimbledon. It's the British Open. It's baseball here, and that's fine, but where
5: are we? What are we doing? That's where we are. We do nothing. It's summer. It's summer to take a break. You know, I mean, you'll play golf every day. What are you talking about? What are we doing? You're, I know what you're going to do.
1: Well, no, but I can't play golf every day because we ha- they haven't canceled the show.
5: <laughs> I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about just, well... Yeah, well, see, I, that was a three-hour time difference. I, I could have golf every day if I was playing golf. I was able to play golf and right. getting there, but not yet, exactly. Um, yeah, Tony, this is the time I catch up on other stuff. You know, and I'm, I'm, welco- I'm, I'm glad to have it. I welcome it. It's like th- the year is preposterously packed. In five seconds, they're going to be... You know, counting down the hours with a, a stupid Chiron on, you know, every show on ESPN on how many moments left until the NFL starts. And, you know, I mean, camp starts in a month.
1: It's not going to start in July. It's not. <laughs> it's not start
5: in July. Camp start in July. What are you talking about? No. no they camp, start in July, yes. They do. Camp
1: start in August. No, July's dead. start in July, man. Nobody. It's not. We're not going to talk about camps. Here
5: yeah, we are. That, that and every show on our network is going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, um, how good the Jets going to be. That's, Stay tuned. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, that's what, that's, is, that's what,
1: fine. We're not. You and I are yeah. not going to talk about camps, and we're not going to talk about summer league in the NBA, and we're not going to talk about summer league in the NHL if there was such a thing, which there isn't. We are headed into a period of time. Uh, where I guess, are you taking
5: vacations?
1: Are you going to go someplace?
5: What are you doing? Um, I'm not going to any place big. Um, but you know what, Tony? They're, because sports is this year-round thing now, every sport, there, there are people that we're going to look. I, I told you a year ago, you didn't want to hear it because you don't pay attention to him because it, you don't want him on your radar. I told you that Victor Wimbanyama is going to absorb all, everything. And he's gonna, he is going to play Summer League, and I am going. I'm going to Vegas to go to Summer League to see this kid play. I'm going to take Matthew with me. We're going to make a trip. This is like 40 years ago, 50 years ago. God, 50. 50 years ago, somebody might have said, you know, people didn't do this kind of thing then. It was a wildly expensive relative to the times. People would say, well, let's go see Lou Alcindor play his first game. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm I'm lining it up now. Right. you know, later today I'm gonna to make sure I have the information on that to go and see Victor Wimbanyama maybe play his first couple of games in the summer league. And guess what? Wherever he does that, you know to be? Done. So you can say, Well, we're not gonna do that. No, we are. And some some of us it depends on who the we is. And I'll be off. I'm, I'm sure you will.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't believe in that in any sport. That's just me. I don't believe yeah, I, in football.
5: I, I believe in it in a very limited right. way. I, in it.
1: I, I mean, he's interesting. He's interesting. Shohei yeah. Otani is interest. You know what I mean? When somebody, yeah. you know, there are people who rise yeah. above um, what the circumstances are, and he may very well be one of those people. But I'm just saying that in terms of competitive. Meaningful games summer leagues are not. Well, no, meaningful no, games.
5: no. There's not that, but right. You know, the, the sports calendar now. The conversation, and just what you and I do is yeah. have the conversation. The conversation is not about meaningful games. It's about people and social media and who said what and who tweeted what. That's that's what it is. That is what, as you like to say. You know, moves the needle. That is what moves the needle. And, you know, in the NFL, it can be competitive regular season games, but it can be other stuff, too. And so, I, we, and we're held captive by it, whether we want to or not. Um, I will, as I always do, I, you know, I have gone to Wimbledon in recent years. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, as a, it's always as a fan, because I haven't covered it in years. Um, I'm not doing that this year. I don't. There's going to be no European travel for me. This year, but I'm going to watch and pay attention to that stuff. I, I really hate the golf calendar now, that makes the British Open the last. You know, it, yeah, it's yes, There's the FedEx Cup, and I, you yeah. know, but eh. um, and 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 since the BMW, which is one of the two or three biggest golf events left, is at my club in Chicago, right. Olympia Fields, I will, and I am part of the you know event. In terms of giving it, I will be there um so there's some there's some things that will will dot the calendar. I'm glad it's not um, obsessively so minute to minute to minute, but when I look at it Tony, it's like before we know it look it's uh, it's already essentially July first yeah and by the way, there are times this should not be one of them. there are times when NBA free agency has held us captive and made us talk every
4: day. LeBron James, Kevin Durant. This, hap- this, does this does happens in every sport.
1: Every sport has right. those years. Yeah, Baseball, football, not basketball, basketball. Not this year. For shouldn't be. Shouldn't right. be right.
5: Exactly. So yeah. So there'll, there'll be enough stuff to keep people honest and and and, and keep the business that you went up in afloat more than afloat, but. You know, I'm going to try to do this stuff. I'm try to catch up with the rest of the world. I, first of all, I got... My July is, is full of AAU basketball. Oh, yeah, because Matthew's playing. Yeah, Matthew just played in Europe for two weeks. Europe? Yeah, Europe. Matthew's in Vienna. Matthew, his, Matthew's team, which has USA on its jerseys, they played won five games... And then they lost yesterday. Listen to this. This is, this is, this is why the, 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 the conversation is going. Matthew calls me 10 days ago and says, Dad, you can stream live stream my games. Okay? Now, I'm in Arizona. I was in Chicago for three of the days. But I'm mostly in Arizona. That's a nine-hour time difference from where he was in Italy. Right. And in Venice and Vienna. And you can live stream the games. I'm paying like pay-per-view. ninety-nine. And while I'm watching him, I go, let me peek at the next game and see who they're going to play. Oh, look at that kid from Germany, that 6'8 kid. He's 15. This is the world. This is Wimbanyama's world. Except my kid plays it, too. So I watched a couple of parts of games, and you got streaming issues, which is why I hate streaming. I hate who invented it, whoever that is. Mr. Stream. Yeah. Um, Bill Stream. And so, <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm on the phone saying, that was a nice shot you took in the third quarter, but that left-hand lazy pass on the baseline that got picked off for a turnover, you got to stop that.
1: Do they when they're in Europe, and I understand you're playing basketball, but do they get a sense of being in Europe? Do they have an this appreciation coach, yes? yeah,
5: this, this there were tours built in okay. this coach and this team and these adults wanted to do that Good. i think one of the ten boys was from the is from the d m v and a couple like what is Smith Atlanta where the other's from
1: because it's but, I mean it's okay I don't care if they get a sense of Myrtle Beach if they go there but Europe is Europe
5: right? Look, look, yeah, I, I, you know yeah so I get a picture one day um, this, is, this is real what I'm telling you now I get a picture one day last week and it's a picture of Cheryl and Matthews in front of the Leaning Tower oh it's great it's great and, 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 but I'll, I sent the picture to a bunch of people I should have sent it to you because I sent the picture. Okay, so they're standing in front of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which I have never I've been to. Matthew has no. not been to a country I've never been to, Austria. I've never been to Austria. So he and Cheryl are in Austria. and But, you know, they're also in Italy. So, but there's a picture of him and Cheryl in front of the tower. And I. this is a scream-out-loud moment for me. This is my own kid who I've because of the nature of my life, too, and being gone for nine weeks in the playoffs every year, not just this year, every year, I see him, and he's taller than Cheryl. Oh,
1: boy, he's grown.
5: Good. He's grown like four inches in the last month. Wow. Okay, so while he was with me in Miami for a day, and I send this picture out to people that you know, my own son, my own brother, Neville. I send it and I go, "What do you notice about this?" No one, no one says, "Oh my God, he's in front of the Leaning Tower." They all go, "Whoa, he's six feet tall!" What happened? <laughs>
1: That's great. <laughs> so, you know, so, but in the meantime, in the meantime, you so, what I'm gonna do in July? You'll
5: be doing what you do, which is playing golf every day. I. We'll be driving to Atlantic City. I will be driving to a place called Spooky Nook.
1: Spooky Nook?
5: Spooky Nook. And Spooky Nook is a place in Pennsylvania where apparently this is Field of Dreams for kids. Every sport is played there. Okay. Not, I've not been there yet. Right. Spooky Nook, Pennsylvania. It's a place. Every father who has a kid, a teenage kid in the last. 10, 12 years, which eliminates you because Michael's older than that now. Every father, I don't care how famous the father is. I don't care what that father does. He has taken his kid. If he's playing AAU, it could be basketball, tennis, lacrosse, field hockey, not just boys, by the way, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. They've gone to this place. So I have have the, 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 the people that we know who are most famous in the world of sports, they are saying to me, hey, uh, where are you going next week? You want to play golf? No, no, I, I got to go to this place called Spooky Nook, Have you heard of it. And the laughter on the other end of the phone is to the point where people almost are in cardiac arrest because I'm the oldest father who hasn't done this yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
5: every father, every father, so when I'm talking to Doc Rivers, they, Dwayne Wade, I talk to these guys, because I mean this is what I'm doing is the NBA Finals and the, and the aftermath, and people are getting hired and fired and whatever, and they're going, there are people who have said, Hall of Famers who have said, I swear to God, I'm gonna hire a photographer. And take a picture. I want pictures of you at Spooky Nook. This is the greatest thing ever. That you have got to go to Spooky Nook and be there for five days. You're going to have the worst food of your life and stay in the worst rooms of your life. You're going to go to the most spectacular place. Kelleher, Kelleher thinks this is the greatest thing ever. Matt Kelleher, because Matt Kelleher's already been there with three children. Yeah. You go for every sport. So I will go to Atlantic City, and you no, know, I won't go to Pine Valley. I will go to a gym or gyms, and then I will get in the car and go to this place I have not yet been to where people threaten me with, Spooky Nook. And I will go there and be a chauffeur, and then I will go to Virginia Beach. I will try to fit Wimbanyama in, and then I will go to another place where there are a million Fourteen to seventeen year olds playing sports. That's cool. That's, that's it. so. That's my summer has more sports than ever.
1: That's wonderful.
5: Because that's what I'm going to do. Good. All
1: right. I'll talk to you later. That All sounds right, great. And I'm glad your kid's six feet. He's going to be six eight by August fifteenth. No, no. I, <laughs> I hope
5: he, You know, I hope there's a few inches in his immediate future. But I, you know, who knows? I, 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 I you know, you can't. There's more speculative than what is going to do is where kids are
1: going to wind up in terms of height. I'll talk to you later. Michael right, Wilbon, y'all. boys and girls. We're going to come back with David Remnick. It's a good show. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier
3: League podcast.
1: Once again, we play original music. This is by River Iris. This is Grant McGuire in Huntington, West Virginia, who sends us this music. It's his daughter-in-law, Alyssa Dawson, who plays under the stage name River Iris. She's releasing songs a month at a time under the direction of our Nashville manager. Those Nashville people, they're tough. They let you know. <laughs> this is called The Imposter. Um, you know, and, he's, and Grant says, I don't understand why they slowly dribble songs out, but that's show business. Yes, it is. The Imposter." River Iris. Michael, if people like River Iris want to send us their original music, how do they do so?
2: Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. This
1: is a great pleasure for me. Last week, we got to sell some books for Sally Jenkins. And this week, we get to sell some books for David Remnick. I talk about Remnick a lot on this show. He claims to listen occasionally. We don't believe that. <laughs> we don't believe that for a second. He's got a new book out called Holding the Note. Um, and, and it is... It's, it's a book about magazine-length profiles on people in the music business who we've all heard of, yes? That's right. Bruce
6: Springsteen, Paul McCartney, Mavis Staples, Buddy Guy, and the
1: great rock star Luciano Pavarotti. So I wanted to, I actually made a list of questions. Sure. And I wanted to first ask about Pavarotti, because these other people, they're all great. But Pavarotti, it seems to me, is the recognized goat of opera of all time, right? <laughs> I mean, when you talk to Pavarotti, does he at least basically let you know, I'm the king of kings, pal. What do you want? Oh, so <laughs> it's a very funny story, Tony. This is the first piece I wrote
6: after becoming a staff writer at The New Yorker. And, you know, if you're lucky these days, if you get a hotel room interview with a celebrity, you're, you're you know, that's, that's, that's fantastic, because they're so well-guarded. Pavarotti was, you know, at the, t- coming toward the end of his career, and he had a cold, and he decided, I'm, I'm singing one more <laughs> concert, and then I'm hanging it up, and I thought, God, this reminds me of the great Gay Talese piece.
1: Yeah.
6: Frank yeah. Sinatra has a cold.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
6: so I flew all the way to Singapore, <laughs> Wow. and then two days later, I'm following around Luciano Pavarotti, who was you know his knees were hurting his, his his phlegm was collecting in his throat, and he was about to call. And he really was a rock star in the sense that everybody on the streets in Singapore knew him, and then back in New York, and he he had that kind of popularity that you
1: don't see in classical music. That's what I thought. I mean, everybody everybody knows the name, Pavarotti. I mean, it's just that, that's that's cool. You went all the way to Singapore, by the way. um David edits The New Yorker. It's the best magazine in the world. And David and I together have won one Pulitzer Prize. And since I haven't won any, <laughs> uh, he has won one. But David, why don't you tell the people your first paying job in sure. journalism? What did sure. you cover?
6: So, so other than being, a, other than being a, um, an intern at various places, I landed at the Washington Post. And in order to snag a job, in order to stay, this is 1982 or something like that, um, I covered Night Police, which is not a glamorous job. And one fine day I was, I was asked, do you know anything about sports? And I thought, well, you know, I watch them, I, you know, like any other red-blooded American. And I said, sure. And I said, great. George Solomon wants you to be in the sports section. And I meet George Solomon, and, um, who was your boss and mm-hmm. boss of Mike Wilbon and a lot of other people. And he says, your first assignment is that you're going to be the second string boxing correspondent, but you're going to be the first string correspondent covering the Washington Federals of the USFL. Nothing more glamorous than that. And, every, and I got sent off to Jacksonville, Florida, for their training camp, which was, you know, a bunch of nice guys with kind of cast-offs, like um, ex-NFL players. And then they came north for the regular season, the summer, and in an empty press box, which is me and the PR guy and maybe the guy from the Washington Times, every Sunday it rained and every Sunday the Washington Federals lost. So it, that, was my, that was the glamorous start to my
1: Well, then you went on, you journey. covered the Bullets, you covered Jeff Ruland. That's right. And
6: I, I was then given the NBA. I was, became the beat guy of the Washington Bullets, as they were then called. Dave Dupree was the, kind of the NBA writer. And, and, you know, it was a mediocre team. And I thought, well, i got to establish a relationship with the star of this mediocre team. And it's Jeff Ruland, kind of, you know, strong man, pivot player with a few inside moves. So, was, you know, he'd score a little. You know, they were an OK team. You know, 41 and 41, and then they'd lose to the Celtics in the opening round. And okay. Jeff Ruland got really pissed at me because I had written something kind of nice about Ralph Sampson. who was about to be, um, become a rookie. And he wouldn't talk to me. So I was in, the, in, I, I was in the position of covering this team, and the best player on it would not talk to me. It was fantastic.
1: And this is how Pulitzer Prize winners are made. <laughs> In the cauldron <laughs> of fire of covering the NBA. Um, all oh. of these people, Aretha, Leonard Cohn, Springsteen, Pavarotti, Buddy Guy, Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan. Commonality? Did you find something <laughs> well, where you yeah, said...
6: The, com- the, the commonality in the book is age. You know, um, you and I, of course, will live forever <laughs> yeah. because of pomegranate juice and and the gym, but... I, these people were all are facing the back end and some of them have since died. Mm. And, you know, when pop music started, when rock and roll started, when we were kids, Tony, um, it was all about teenagers. It was all about young people. This young, this new music, which began, you know, with little Richard and Chuck Berry. And then, then the Beatles and Elvis and so on. It was, the songs are about youthful concern, love, first love falling out of love all those kinds of things and now what was unexpected is that some of these people would not just be a flash in the pan not just you know five years and out but live their lives as recording artists and songwriters and that their concerns in life would be something different than the back seat of a chevy which i don't know about you i haven't been in the backseat of a chevy in some time it's
1: been a while, been a
6: while. It's, been a, it's been a while he yeah. said mournfully yeah. And you know, it's it's more about losing friends and getting older and having children and uh, and maybe grandchildren and then facing facing ultimate questions and so how do you make that part of your music and how do you how do you live your life? And so that's what really kind of ties these pieces
1: together. Do they do it <laughs> successfully? Does Bob Dylan, does Bruce Springsteen, does Paul McCartney? do they release new music that is successful or is there a part of their brain that understands, look, genius goes, it goes, the fire goes out. I'm trying real hard here, but I'm not the same person. That's
6: exactly right. I think it's different for different people. I think with Paul McCartney, I I can't say that his, you know, original stuff in the last 25 years comes anywhere within spitting distance of what he did with the Beatles or right thereafter. Just, just no question. And he knows his magic trick at the age of 80. 80 is to go in front of a stadium full of people, and he still looks like Paul McCartney, and his band is a, you know, knows how to play those songs, like a jukebox or, or better. And for three hours, he transports that audience back in time. And that's, that's an incredible joy, and that's an incredible magic trick. Springsteen is somebody who does two things at once, and you see it on his tour now. He, sure, he'll play Thunder Road and... Born to Run, and all those things that are transporting, and Songs of a Young Person, and the New Jersey Turnpike, and Young Love, and all that. But he's also playing new things that he likes, and he mixes it in, and they, they also happen to be, thank God, a lot of them are terrific. Dylan is just going to do what Dylan does. Dylan, <laughs> if he doesn't want to play Like a Rolling Stone, he's just not to.
0: Right.
6: And on his, he, He's not going to do it, and on his current tour, what he's doing is playing all new music. And he doesn't give a damn if you know it or you're not. That's what he's going to do. And then he'll mix in maybe a Grateful Dead cover or some, you know, old folk song. So it it, it varies.
1: I have to tell you, I'm not going to be the first or the last to tell you this. I can't believe they all sat and talked with you. That may, I mean, you must go home at night and say, do you know who I just talked to for three hours? Yeah. I mean, that must be <laughs> thrilling, right? Well, it, it varies. I mean... Aretha, it was, you know, a kind of
6: truncated encounter because she, she was just, she's a, she was an odd cat and very, she was very suspicious of, of all comers. I heard she only you know,
1: took money in cash, that you had to pay her like in Chuck cash, Barry. right?
6: Like Chuck Berry. Yeah. Because they, they, you know, they grew up at a time when black performers got ripped off over and yeah. over and over again. So the way Chuck Berry would do it, Aretha, is, you know, you fill up the guitar play, case with cash. And then he goes out and plays with a local band. The local band will say, "Well, what are we going to play?" He's gonna, he'll just say, "We're going to play Chuck Berry songs." <laughs> <laughs> the rock and roll bands don't know how to play Johnny B. Good. They don't know how to play anything. Right. And that was the deal till the end of his life. With Bob, Bob Dylan, no, no interview. No, it was all all by distant email. Okay. That was the exception. But everybody else, I mean, hours and hours with Springsteen and out. And maybe the most moving experience for me was Leonard Cohen, who I sat in his house for a couple of days and I swear to God he was the most eloquent human I'd I'd ever encountered he wrote
1: Suzanne takes your hand and leads you to the river come on he's brilliant but he's also as a talker he was you know a kind of
6: some people are You forgive the dogs in the west side highway but that's where I am in the riverside park so you know that Leonard Cohen was at the end of his life he was dying with cancer Um, He had nothing to hold back, and for two days, we just sat there and talked about the important things, and I don't know if you've had this experience, Tony, but sometimes in an interview, you run out of questions after 15 minutes because the other person isn't playing. In this case, I could have left the recorder in the room and gone off to lunch, (laughs) and I would have come back and you know uh, the equivalent of a great literary text would have been in my tape recorder. I just I mean, think he,
1: he, he's so eloquent. Yeah, he's a brilliant guy. I, I'm sure this book again it's called Holding the Note. I'm sure it's fabulous. I did want to ask you about Springsteen because I watched sure. I not only went to the show, I watched a long interview that he did with Howard Stern and it was he, really good. Yeah, it was really good, but he seemed lost without physically holding a guitar he seemed to be waiting to perform you know sort of like a dog waiting for dinner and i don't mean to <laughs> diminish him at all because i think he's fantastic well, but i think by, but by he's a performer time, right yeah 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 but he's he's a smart he's a very
6: smart guy and he's you know an autodidact you know when he was interviewed when he was a young guy You know, he's he was an okay high school student. I think he was in college for fifteen minutes, and then it was off to the races. And then he became a reader, and you know, we watched movies and lived a life. And so the the difference in this guy in his interviews between then and now is in the difference between being a kid and maturity. And you know, I I watched that interview too because it was you know you watch it on YouTube as well as listen to it, and he. I think he wanted to illustrate his points with what he does. And if he were a poet, he'd read his poems. And, yeah. and he's a songwriter and he wanted to sing Thunder Road or, or what have you.
1: I can't tell you. It's just such a small aside. It makes me so happy that his son is a fireman. It makes me yeah. so happy. You know, I, it, it, it just does. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a guess that you still are familiar with Russia and with Putin after all those yeah. years and all those books. And the, the question is so simple. What's the over under on this guy from the yeah. Wagner group living? I mean, how yeah. can you, how can you, how can you not, if you go for the King, you best not miss what is going to happen here. So he's moving allegedly to
6: the glamorous city of Minsk, in <laughs> yeah. Belarus. Yeah. And let me just say, I don't think etna is rushing to take out a life insurance policy <laughs> no, I, no i just and you know i think he wants to live close away from the windows you want to w- live away
1: from the windows absolutely i mean putin if putin is going to have any credibility at all he has to get this guy doesn't he he has to putin is right now it, it, look the, the war began a year ago february
6: it was an insane thing to do but He's able to control, to up to a degree, the information in the country and the propaganda is something that you, you can't understand unless you've experienced it. Now everybody knows. Right. That's the big upshot here, is that Putin is embarrassed, he's humiliated, and above all, he's exposed. And that's very dangerous for a dictator with really no legitimacy and people over 23 years have gotten kind of sick of. So... There's no election to get him out. Right. There's and the whole system is built around him. It's what we call a personalist regime. So it's it's bad. It's bad for Uh him. But you know, ultimately uh it's not like Hubert Humphrey is waiting in the wings. It's not like some liberal democrat is waiting in the wings.
1: That's right. That's right. David, it's uh you did good with your career, by the way, I have to tell you that. I um, appreciate it. It's yeah. always good to talk <laughs> did to you, did Tony. pretty good. Thanks for being <laughs> Thanks on. The book is called Holding the Note. Go buy the book. Remnick's a great writer. He's just a great writer. Thanks, David. Thanks a million, Tony. Be well. David Remnick, boys and girls, will come email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: Here comes Tony's Mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's Mailbag. Gonna
5: read some for all you folks.
1: That's Jingle Fest just this past weekend, right? That's right. That's That's the new one. That's the new one from Saturday. That's lovely. That's lovely. You want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Bethesda bagels,
3: we love them. You will as well. Got the bagel sandwiches this morning. Always love that. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest
1: you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say I know something about love. Gotta <laughs> want it bad. If that guy's got into your blood, go out and get him. If you want him to be the very part of you, make you want to breathe, here's the thing to do. Tell him that you're never going to leave him. Tell him that you're always going to love him. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him right now. One-Hit Wonder, The Exciters, <laughs> in the very early 1960s.
3: Yes. It's probably about sixty three 63s, maybe.
1: Great tune. Yeah. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and David Remnick. Thanks to our sponsors, Simply Safe and Trade Coffee. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. The Dom Smith thing is going in. Not here. <laughs> uh, from Mike, from Baltimore. <laughs> Michael Sweet, Baltimore. Tony, Gene Pitney also wrote one of the greatest rock and roll love songs of all time. He's a rebel. Not too shabby. I didn't know he wrote the song.
3: Did not know that either. Who who recorded that? He's rebel. Was that the the Crystals? Crystals. Okay, yes. Yeah, the Crystals. One of the great girl groups of all time. Yes, absolutely.
1: A haiku for June 21st, which is the summer solstice. Tony with grandkids dancing around the maypole, the summer solstice. Thank (laughs) you, shit. I would not dance around the maypole. From Tyler Harper in Strathmore, Alberta, in Canada. You would have For half a second, I felt sorry for Mr. Tony. Poor guy had a great day golfing and then ends up with a stop sign ticket. After that half a second, I realized I received a stop sign ticket a couple of months ago, except it was $405. Oof. I would need to win an entire tournament to cover that ticket and break even. I guess that's the difference when you live outside the land of the free. Things are more expensive. Consider yourself lucky. Again, that's Alberta, Canada. Um, From Charles Jenkins. Hi, old sport. CJ from the land of Wilbon. Just letting you know that as of yesterday, the Chuck and Roxy show has to our delight been blessed by your favorite son, Pablo Torre. (laughs) Just in case you hadn't gotten a phone call yet, he's episode number 240. So he's in the top 100.
3: Yeah, top 100. Well done. Shout
1: out to loyal listener Carol Kornheiser and tell Greg Garcia to eat it. Whoa, somebody doesn't like Greg? Oof. Wow. Oh, we <laughs> Shut- got to find out why this guy doesn't like Greg. Yeah, We love fired. Greg. We, we absolutely love Greg. Yes, apparently Carol had listened to this and Pablo went on and on and on and on, <laughs> which is lovely. Which is lovely. Um, and they were here, Chuck and Roxy. Were I here.
3: got to chat with Chuck and Roxy. Absolutely delightful. Yeah. Just fantastic. That doesn't
1: surprise me even a lot. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Just great people.
1: They sent me a, a bag. A bag of that? A bag of uh, gummies, gummy bears. Oh, Albanese.
3: oh that's very and nice. And
1: Carol said, I'm going to have these too. And I said, no, no, the inscription <laughs> says for Tony. It's for Tony. Love Chuck and Roxy. It doesn't say for Tony and Carol, yeah, no. Not Tony et al. No, no. <laughs> no, you're not going to. Uh, Joseph Ponish, Austin, Texas. Well, I did it. I successfully returned from my inaugural trip to the Big Apple with a suitcase full of bagels. I want to thank the Littles for their suggestions, although I did not have time to venture out to any of them. Luckily for me, it came the week of the Canadian wildfires and it took away most of my sense of smell. So in all honesty, I'm still not sure which bagel place was the best. But after eight different places in four days, I think my favorite of the bunch was a place called Essa Bagel, which is told to me as a Bagel in Yiddish. The bagel was the size of my head and had that (laughs) chew stuff that I will forever be trying to reproduce in my home oven. I did like some other stuff too. I don't know, saw the Empire State Building, Times Square, went to the top of the Rockefeller Plaza, uh, but everyone does that. Not everyone tries 10 black and white cookies and gains a, flat, a fat tire, even though they walk 12 miles a day. Shout out to Zabar's, best gro- th- grocery store on earth. It is. It's fantastic. On the Upper West Side, Zabar's, right? There might be another one. Maybe there's two of them. I don't know. I'm the gift
2: sure. bag. Everyone has one of those coffee mugs. Yeah, yeah. I've, got,
1: I've got that. Aaron Hansen in uh, Papillion. Not Papillon. That's right. A billion. To a brainstorm.
3: billion. That's right.
1: From Monday's show, you're looking for things to do? You want to fight my AT&T bill that they say I owe money for even though I've not had AT&T service in 15 years? I'll send you the info. Maybe I can get the littles behind AT&T must die. Let me know. Okay. Tom Thomas Dunn. T.J. Dunn in Reedsville, North Carolina. I'm a 20-year-old college student from North Carolina starting nursing school in the fall and deeply, moderately enjoy listening to the show. However, I was greatly disappointed when I listened to the pod and there was no mention of the biggest story in sports over the weekend. U.S. Open last week? Nah. Bradley Beal to the Suns? Let Wilbon mention it in the Sports Center segment. The biggest story of the weekend came from Atlantic Beach, North Carolina, last Saturday night. That's right, baby. The 65th annual Big Rock Blue Marlin tournament. It even made the big boy papers like the New York Post, CBS Sports, and a little publication you may have heard of called the Washington Post. I'll give you the short story on what happened. You can choose to talk about it or put it in the pile next to all the faxes. The fishing boat Sensation hooked up with a blue marlin 45 minutes before all lines had to be out of the water at 3 p.m. Sensation fought the blue marlin for six and a half hours before finally landing the fish and taking it back to Big Rock Landing after 11 p.m. where a crowd of over 10,000 gathered to see the blue marlin wade. This is when the rules officials noticed a fist-sized gash on the fish where the fish was bitten by a shark. In the over six-hour fight, and determined they would need to review it with a rules committee, and they would decide whether or not to disqualify the fish for violating rule 23 in the IGFA. Wait rule to board. hear the
2: amount of money involved in this. Yeah. On
1: Sunday morning, the shoot. fish was then disqualified because the fish was mutilated by a shark during the fight, making it easier to catch. That seems harsh to me. A fist-sized bite, yeah. I'm this here, has led to quite the controversy because the unofficial weight of the fish was 619 pounds, meaning it was due for a $739,500 payday for weighing more than 500 pounds. And since the fish was almost 200 pounds heavier than the winner, the sensation team would have won almost $3.5 million. I mean, come on, man. What have we been doing out here, man? (laughs) I just want to make mention of the story since it's been in other national headlines, but it's really a big story. Uh, but is it really a big story until the old orange man talks about it? So a week late, we talked. P.S. Does Michael know what size me undies a 619 pound blue marlin would wear <laughs> with a length of 114 inches and a girth of 64 inches? That's an extra small to 4XL. A, uh,
2: a lot of shark uh, sightings off North Carolina this summer. Yeah. yeah. But this is unlike when they when that other fishing team put lead uh, like lead weights right. in a fish to yeah, try they and tip the scale. Yeah. These, yeah. these
1: people didn't cheat. Yes. I think this fish should have been legit. Uh, From Mike Wickham in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, I'd like to share my experience going to the eye doctor on June 18th. Now, bear in mind, this is Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It's not the end of civilization, but we can see it from here. (laughs) The doctor I see is a young fellow, probably early 30s, who took over the practice of another doctor I'd seen for years, as you know, one of the many pleasures of growing old. Having the day off and it being a hot day, I just wore shorts and a t-shirt to my appointment. Not paying any attention, the t-shirt I grabbed was my Tony Kornheiser show one that I received last Christmas doctor came out to greet me and immediately had a big smile and said, I'm a little too. As I reeled back, I answered the only appropriate way, la cheeserie. We chit-chatted all during my exam on show aspects we enjoy best, the mailbag theme of the day, the snippet at the end after being told to wear white on our bikes, and how our wives don't have the same appreciation we do for the orange man. He explained he grew up watching PTI, and I told him my first encounter goes back to the sports reporters. It was always going to be a good show when Tony was on the panel. Can I please request a shout-out to the good Dr. Joseph Clower, K-L-A-U-E-R. Great guy, and my first encounter with a little in the wild. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it's lovely. Um, the headline on this Gmail is: Don Graham was the best boss ever. Somewhere, Raju Narasetti is weeping softly. <laughs> Can't weep <laughs> enough. Can't weep enough. Craig Copeland in Owingsville, Owings Mill, Maryland, from Marlene Dowell in Bowie, Maryland. Wegmans sells chocolate-covered gummy bears in the section of the store where Wegmans made chocolate-covered pretzels, chocolate-covered nuts, and other Wegmans-made candy items. are. I've not tried them. Perhaps Mr. Tony would like to compare them to other brands. I know that you. aisle. Do you, they have gummy bears yeah. I'll bears? check. From Jeff in Redmond, Washington. I'm picking up the cherry pomegranate I'm at the airport. water. <laughs> I'm at the airport and a gray Subaru is being towed. Thought you shouldn't know. <laughs> Sean Morrissey in... Conshohocken, Pennsylvania, the woman to whom I related by marriage and I were driving to the Finger Lakes this past weekend for that world-renowned upstate New York wine. Somewhere around Scranton, she pointed to a sign on I-83, Binghamton, she exclaimed. That's where Mr. Tony went to school. She gets to, get to stay. <laughs> P.S. <laughs> Episode 37 with Chuck and Roxy. Eat it, Garcia. Okay. From Chris McKay in Raleigh, North Carolina, I was so excited to hear you quoting Animal House while Silliza was sitting across the table from you, but he fumbled the handoff. He should have eagerly jumped in to note a piece of Loomis Chafee alumni lore that the president of Delta Tau Chi, Robert Hoover, is played by Jamie Widow's Loomis class of 1972 and a longtime trustee. Really? I had no idea about that. Has the look? I
3: believe he's also a member at Bel Air, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes.
1: For some additional connective tissue, there was a sitcom in the late 90s called Getting Personal. Episode one was directed by Jamie Widows. Episode two was written by Greg Garcia. Each would write and direct more episodes of the show, but never the same one. Uh, And from Scott McClelland in Bethesda, Maryland, regarding Edith Salissa saying the 24-second clock was the only good thing to come out of Syracuse, he must not know that Syracuse is also known as Salt City. Yeah, land salt, not that sea salt crud. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white.
4: Look at Ed Astor, the body prostrate. However he advanced he may be in years, that's the body of a former football player. CBS is
5: getting close to the victory.
1: Howard Cosell, all night long.
4: Ellie de Cruz, Ellie de Cruz Cincinnati Phenom have you heard the news? Fastest man alive, shortstop, six foot five. This red he cannot lose. Ellie Dela Cruz hits the ball really, 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 really hard. I'm thinking you probably wanna have his rookie card. Find a 52 mantle, and you won't sing the blues. Or a 2023 Ellie Dela Cruz, a cycle in just his 15th game is what he gave us. Last cycle for the Reds in '89 was Eric Davis. They both wear 44. I'm not sure who you choose. Davis, he was great, but I'd take Ellie Dela Cruz. Ellie Dela Cruz. Ellie Dela Cruz. On a routine grounder, better you don't snooze. He'll outrun the cheetah in the Cincinnati Zoo. Have you heard the news? Ellie Dela Cruz. This Reddy cannot lose. Ellie Dela Cruz.